one message for you took from your aunt. Uh-huh. She will bust both of you in the head. You know who me? It's not rocket science, you know. I think you, like me, um, have a face for radio. You know who me? If we don't play with the players we got. That's why it sucks. I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to you. This kind of unprofessionalism does not need to be tolerated. And I mean it. Like, you know who me? You know who me? You know who me? You know who me? What the hell is going on here? Let's all hang up. Another episode of the BS Podcast. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. There's all kinds of noise in my ear now. Oh, jeez. Uh, we need a little bit more professionalism. This is the LSU show. Ah, that's stupid. This is the Bama LSU review in five, four, three. Who really cares? I don't. It's the BS Podcast with your hosts, the Moran Brothers, Josh and Quincy Moran. And we are here to talk... Bama, LSU, 2022, and I got to tell you, Josh, um, I'm so out of sorts. I just reached for my glasses, and I have my contacts on, so I don't know what to think. Um, we will hear, hear today from our Wild Bill and his Bama bullet points and our saving correspondent, uh, his lovely wife, Amber Dash, who we refer to as Mrs. Dash. <laughs> That's still funny to me all the time. Uh, with that being said, Josh, let's talk about this absolute dumpster fire of a game, uh, Alabama-LSU. I'll give you an opportunity after I set the stage here. Bama goes on the road again, which they've been shaky uh, for the entire season. Um, they shut LSU down, drive the field, Bryce throws a pick, and it's off the rails from there. Alabama loses in overtime, uh, 32-31. They go for two twice, Bama does, and they miss. And uh, it's really a sad state of affairs in T-Town this week. And we go on the road again. So talk to me about your assessment of the game. Well, I seriously considered being a, uh, an alcoholic afterwards. Because, you know, it would have helped. And then the next day, you wake up with a hangover. But all you got to do is start drinking again. Uh, you probably spend all your money. But that option was looking really good to me. <laughs> I got to be honest. <laughs> I don't know what assessment I have other than our season's over. And uh, I haven't been depressed about a game like this in a long time. But. My assessment is we did exactly what we've been doing for the last, you know, two years off and on. We just we shoot ourselves in the foot. We can't. We're making mistakes that we don't usually make. And I don't know, man. We suck, dude. We suck. Bill O'Brien sucks. Pete Golding sucks. Uh, we suck. And that's all I, I think. Uh, I think what's truly evident is that we are lacking the uh, 
the mental toughness, the intestinal fortitude, the ability to perform under pressure. And, um, I mean, how does Alabama, a team that put up 49 points against Tennessee on the road, um, how did they not score a touchdown in the first half? I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know where the inconsistency is coming from. Uh, lack of focus. This can't do it for sixty minutes or whatever. You can't start the game fast, or vice versa. You start fast, finish slow. Coming I don't know what's week. going on. Just yeah, yeah it's a bye week. I mean, it's a freaking bye week. It's uh, after all. Uh, so, for you, I mean, other than the. Uh, other than our inability to win the game, where where do you stand? What what point what points of the game really just frustrated you the most? It's play calling and uh, just no adjustments. Just seems like the same script plays out every week, and I'm tired of it. Uh, Billo and uh, Pete Golding need to bounce. And maybe yeah. more, maybe more. I don't know, but there's something infiltrating the team that you know messes with their focus and doesn't. Oh no, man, You're just not focused, and that's not normal. Yeah, I, it's um, Saban it's a sounds problem. focused. He sounds the same. I think I don't. I don't. While he is responsible, I do not believe the issue is Nick Saban, and that's not me being biased. That's me being. A guy that has uh, has a, a strong attrition rate when it comes to assistant coaches because they're successful, they get hired away. Now, yeah, but what happens do, when would he I not do, have already fired these guys in the past? I I think so. I think I, I guess I have to back up on myself and say when it comes to player development, when it comes to uh, program development when it comes to the process um, the fault does lie here with Nick Saban not only because he's the head coach but what about your coaching your coach's development um, and this is just me thinking through it here after a long busy day at work you know just uh, trying to sort my thoughts about it but there there is no I mean there's only so many times you can say this uh, we need to open up our offense. We need to allow Bryce to, and this is Coach Saban saying these things. We need we need to allow Bryce to use the, the gifts and talents that he has, you know, to essentially exploit the uh, the defense. And we don't do that. And hey, real he, quick, okay, yeah, yeah. you finished your point, but I, I got a point about Bryce. And then there are some things about Pete that look good, and then there's inconsistencies, and then we get run off the field, and then we can't cover, like we cover the play at. Uh, at Texas A&M, but then we're not ready for them going for two, and they just they just waltz right in the end zone. So, I with the amount of inconsistency, it's like Coach Saban is responsible for his staff. He's responsible for the development of the coaching staff and the plan to develop the players. And something is missing there. Something's not happening, and it translates on the field. Again, we'll go through it in the stats, but we had we had to have at least ninety to a hundred yards and penalties. Go ahead. So with Bryce, how good would that dude be if he had a good play caller? Um, 
because look at what he does when it seems like every play breaks down and it doesn't go, you know, the way it's supposed to. And it just seems like everything's a chore to get yards, but he still does it. Just imagine if he had someone like Lane Kiffin or Steve Sarkeesian calling plays, what he would have done. They kind of squandered his last year um, of college. It it truly has been squandered. And I'm looking at it and I'm going, um, are – What's what's going to happen to their draft position, whether it's Will or whether it's Bryce? And I would say the, fall fall to the Raiders, but we ruin everything, and it's not the coaching. Our organization sucks, and I wish I wasn't a fan of them. But go ahead. Yeah, I'm, so I'm looking at it, and then our our inability uh, to produce offense um, in the first half is just it's I can't I just. I'm unable to comprehend how with the level of talent that we have and that we bring in, we have not been able to develop these young men to perform with consistency. It's not happening. The only thing consistent is our inconsistency and our ability to shoot ourselves in the foot, to have penalties at the wrong time, to not catch the ball when it's thrown in our hands, to make mistakes. Our offensive line is consistently we are consistently inept. inconsistent, and that's becoming what we can bank on instead of the, oh, well, we know that we're going to respond this way because we're Bama. Now it's, we're going to shoot ourselves in the foot, and we're going to play ugly games no matter what. We can yeah. bank on that. And that's that's where we are, and it, for for what it's worth, um, it, it feels like we're getting outcoached. It feels like we're getting outplayed. It feels like, or it, it, the product on the field appears. I don't. I shouldn't say it feels like because it's happening before our eyes. The, these things. I mean, when you when you step back and look, it is completely feasible that we're a three loss team after next after this week. And that's because you have two things happening at one time. The one thing you have is that what are we going to play for now? What is in it? I mean, for me, as a as a zero, as a competitor, it's like I want to win. I have my own personal sense of pride, so I want to win. And I mean, these the 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 guys on the field are the ones putting in the work. So we're missing leadership from a, an assistant coaching perspective uh, and play calling and scheme. We're missing leadership on the field to be able to rally the guys and get them into. Uh, a process, uh, the Bama factor process, so that they execute on the field. Because when it comes to NIL, when it comes to the transfer portal, when it comes to talent, um, everybody's dealing with the same problem. And we we recruit well. So what is it and where is it? Nothing we're going to decide right now, but from, uh, from a, a very pitiful first half, um, to me kind of an abysmal second half, where we couldn't put it together, Alabama is definitely is definitely in trouble. And I mean, you know, they've won seven games, so ultimately they'll find some bowl to go to. Um, but everybody who plays Alabama from here on out is gonna get uh, Bama's gonna get their best shot. I'll tell you who's how, not on the, who's not hurting is uh, Georgia. Um, they look like Bama. Yes. Straight up. 
Yes, they did, and they really had. And that's uh, one of my questions later about the statement game. What your What are your thoughts there? But for now, let's get into some of the stats and the details with Wild Bill and his Bama bullet points. <laughs> All right. You didn't finish. All right. All right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, hear what you have to say today, Uncle Bill, as we get into the uh, meat and potatoes uh, of the stats. Talk to us about your bullet points for Alabama LSU. Bullet point zero. 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 He has zero bullet points. LSU had zero three and outs. Our defense never oh. shut them out. Three plays and have to punt the whole game. Are you kidding me? Zero. Oh my lord! LSU had no three and outs. Zero for two on two point conversions. One. We lost by one point. One, we call one timeout. Malachi Moore has to run off the field before the two-point conversion after we just come from a timeout to prepare for this. How could Coach Saban not be prepared for them to run a two-point play? You call timeout, and you still have to run a play. Why did Malachi Moore have to run off the field? They knew what play was coming, and we had zero players covering that guy coming out of the backfield right there. Zero. Mm. Our coaches have zero brains. Nick Saban, I watched his show last night again. He he is, and he told him, he said, I am responsible. I have my headset on. I hear every play that's called offensively and defensively. I can I can override anything it's done. But he said it's my responsibility on the two point conversion to get us in the right alignment. Why didn't he call the number two second timeout? When Malachi had to come running off the field, why didn't he call the second timeout? To get them lined up to be prepared for this two-point play. I don't know. There's a lot. Of- I got to tell you, it's in uh- four. We've lost two games by four points in two plays. The very last two plays of each game has beat us. So, but it's and then I have one question. Everybody and Bryce is an outstanding player. But if if you notice, Kirk Herbstreit kept making mention of when they close that pocket on to the inside on him, he can't see downfield. That's where he's losing track of our receivers that are wide that are open in the middle of the field because he's not seeing them on the interception. When you watch the replay, Jace McClellan come out of the backfield. Right at the start, he could have hit him to his left right off off the bat. They may have tackled him short of the end zone, 
but it would have been up to Jace to make one player miss him. But he started scrambling. And what did he do? And it seemed like from that point on, the rest of the first half, our offense just give up. But if we punch it in the end zone right there, what a different tone to the ball game it is. So, you know. So there are zero good bullet points, basically. I gave you some good bullet points. Did you know that they had zero three and outs? No, you didn't. No, I mean, no, I mean, those are very good bullet points, but there are no good news bullet points. No, we lost. Yeah, well, yeah. I would also would say question, that uh, Quincy, here would be a question for you and Josh. Hi, I would have an answer. Yeah, I mean, what has happened to our hurry up? Get the pace going. When you get a first down, get to the line of scrimmage run. We, we lollygag around. But how can we expect the running backs to get into any kind of rhythm? I mean, you're going to put Roy Dale in on a short yardage play every time, but he never gets the ball any other time. How can you get in a rhythm? How can that running back get in a rhythm? Jason McClellan breaks a long one. What happens to him? It's sort of like when you got a bad NBA coach or something and they have horrible – rotations it's just it doesn't look like it fits what's going on and there's just no there's no uh common commonality with anything we do these days it's all it just seems like we don't have an identity i mean that's for sure we can't figure out if we're a running or a passing team you know well I, i don't know everything just seems bipolar everything and i mean it's yeah and y- y'all have discussed before, what's wrong with putting Jalen Mil- Milrow in there on a short yardage? They don't know if he's going to run the ball, if he's behind Bryce. He's going to throw the ball. What's, what's Jalen going to do if he's in there? Yeah, if you had if you had Jalen Milrow as the running back, which he looks like he could be one, out there on the field with Bryce at the same time, I mean, look at the options with that. Well, and that's – that is just proof positive that you do not listen to your own podcast because my suggestion last week <laughs> was to fold Jalen Milrow into you the You told mix. me that the other day at, at your house, dummy. I know, I know. But uh you know so. you know what uh you know I have not been in the coaching game for a long time and these guys forget more in fifteen True. minutes of football conversation than I will ever know. But I, at the end of the game, I'm just up to the TV, and I'm screaming play after play after play that I'm begging Alabama to call um, to put pressure on LSU's defense and score. And why we have to wait until the end of the game to create solutions. We used to be a second-half football team. Like, we perform well in the first half. We're competitive. We can score. And then at halftime, we come in and we just absolutely make a number of adjustments to shut you down and to put the final few nails in the coffin. And I don't see adjustments being made after halftime. So the question marks to me. Yeah, it looks like the same same play you just saw. Exactly, the and there like, and there are blind spots on the field because you know when they when you get a look downfield, you do see some guys running free, 
So what is going on? We, we just don't know. We're just shooting in the dark. Um, but, I mean, the questions I have, uh, the, the points, based on the points that you all have made, is, is where's the leadership? I know that coach is accepting responsibility. What's going to change? What is going to change for this season and moving forward so that we don't lose a host of guys in the transfer portal um, and so that we don't – we can save face um, for the University of Alabama. The next thing is is the scheme. My question mark is what is going on with the scheme and the preparation? It's Something is missing. Uh, next is consistency. We don't have it. These are things that we used to have, all three of these, um, when we were dominating. And then the fourth thing I think Josh made very, very apparent is Alabama has lost its identity. And that is, you know, it. I don't know what that is a product of. I believe Coach Saban says the right things. Um, I just don't know why he has not dismissed uh, at least one coordinator to make an example. Um, in order for us to turn the corner, I just I don't understand it. But we, yeah, I mean, I mean he could have he could have done it, and by now you could have uh, you could have had somebody else calling plays or whatever, and yeah. uh, made the made the real changes at the end of the year. I mean, there's typically an analyst there or somebody there, but we're not. I mean, truly hired Jeff the, Saturday. The other uh, the other, I guess Lexi agrees. The other part somebody's, of that is somebody's knocking at my door. Well, control, control D, and we'll go to the. Uh, no, I got two of the barking. <laughs> All right, now, so we're going to get into uh, our next segment with our Saban correspondent, Amber Dash. Let's bring you on. Welcome to the program, Amber. It's great to have you on. That's excellent. That's excellent. So I certainly watched Coach Saban's uh, press conference. I don't know if you had a, an opportunity to, uh, to go back and review it. it uh, there wasn't much involved. Um, one thing that I will note, the, uh, in the background of that press conference, you could hear repeatedly chants of LSU, LSU. Mm-hmm. And it was just, you know, more Maybe salt in the wound. Yeah, more salt in the wound. And uh, Brian Kelly's first year. <laughs> you know what's sad is that uh, at Brian Kelly's whole his whole career at Notre Dame, he couldn't beat Alabama. I would like to kill my, kill my dog. He fast forwards, comes to LSU. LSU's been on the rope. He's been able to develop that talent and beat us. I don't know um, if anyway, you you remember seeing all that rapey dancing he was doing with the recruits over the summer. Like, it was weird. So I to come from care. to come from that and actually bring it back <laughs> and uh, have everybody on your side is pretty remarkable, honestly. Well, with that being said, uh, Amber, give us your take on the on Coach Saban's press conference, and then we'll get into some of the other numbers we talked about. Um, well, his press conference was shockingly short. I don't know why I was surprised by that, but um, he said some things that I disagreed with, but then he said some things that I agreed with. 
Um, basically, I mean, he took responsibility for what happened, which I think there's a mixed bag from fans on this right now. People want to blame him. People want to blame uh, the coordinators. I personally like Coach Saban too much to blame him. I'm going to blame the coordinators. Um, so, you know, he took full responsibility for the loss. He reminded people, hey, these are kids out here playing, which is something that I feel like people who love the game definitely forget. Like, these are just kids. And um, I don't care. No. I, know, I know. They're, eight, don't they're care. over 18. They're adults, man. Not, but like not. they're like the same age as like some of Quincy's kids. I mean, you know, like that's what I think of. I'm like, some of these are like children. Um, they've never been away from mommy and daddy, but that's a woman's side of viewing things, not a man's side. Because when I look at Austin and say, Hey, don't forget, these are kids. Don't talk to the TV this way, he doesn't care. He doesn't. Um, so anyway, what struck um, my, I guess, um, <laughs> attention? I don't really want to say it struck my attention, but somebody specifically asked him, which because of the noise that Quincy mentioned, you could not hear what any reporter was asking. You could only hear Coach Saban's response. So I don't really know what the question was, but they specifically asked about the two-point conversion in overtime. And he flat out said they were not expecting that, but you know what? They did it. They played it. And he said, we played what we would have played in that situation because the next series you have to go for two. So we played what we would play against that formation. And we had a chance to stop the guy. It's not like he wasn't covered, but if we would have kept him out, we would have won the game. And that's like, as I was watching it, I was just like, the dude literally just had to be a little closer. Like you just, you get, you can't, you can't try to get him in the end zone. You got to come out the end zone. Um, so, anyway, I mean, he's overall, he just talked about how good he thought Bryce played and it was poor execution and blah, blah, blah. He just won't pinpoint and just say what the fans want to hear that his coordinators are terrible. That's, that's what we want to hear from him, and he'll never say it. So. Well, and I, you know, just listening to the press conference, I, there was a bit of comedy at the end, uh, maybe a little bit of brevity. Um, but I don't, I don't take the notion that these guys are just kids because everybody in college football is playing football with the same kids. Everybody. And you can't, you can't celebrate their greatness and then try to make excuses when they fall short and think that you're going to have a, a long line of credibility. The fact is we failed. The fact is, is it's been pretty systemic. I hate to use that word, but throughout this season, this is a product of what we're working with. So they are kids, but, you know, and this is not as serious as the military, but, you know, you have 18-year-olds that go off to war, and you can't say they're just kids. And at this point, these young men – are yeah they're in the ninth week of the season it's a man's perspective of life but it but it has to be because there's literally what's going on though when you sign up when you sign on the dotted line and you commit to going to the university of alabama or lsu or georgia or tennessee um you you have to know 
that there's an expectation. You're going there for a reason, and you are going to be scrutinized heavily. And we're not scrutinizing them as individuals. We're scrutinizing them as football players, you know. I'm not talking about them as people. I'm talking about them as players. Oh, yeah. Josh, on the other hand, is going to insult them. I'm talking about them as players. They all He's need to go back to mama's house. Hey, time to go back to mama's house, says Will Anderson, just like last time. Oh, going to go back to mama's house. Everything going to get back to normal because it's easy. We just go flip a switch. All good, man. But. You know, the things are... uh, Go ahead, Amber. I was just going to say, this was some of, like, somebody mentioned the transfer portal, and um, he, somebody asked what his message to the team was, and, you know, he talked about reminding them of the legacy that Alabama has, and, like, what, you know, they build there. And um, somebody mentioned the transfer portal. And, like, to me, like, on, like, an outsider's perspective looking in, um, and this is something that Austin and I do talk about, it seems like the younger the kids get, the more that they don't really care about that. So, you know, maybe they don't care that, you know, Saban is, like, the best coach to ever walk the planet. You know, maybe they don't care that he took us from – crap town to like the top tier of everything um but i feel like the transfer portal that's what cycled me around to that and like nil stuff just kids don't care they just want money and they want to go to the nfl and like in to some degree it seems like maybe they don't care they don't play with everything they could because they're just look at texas a&m well, it's because I mean, uh, when you think about it, half of our teams playing like crap this year, and half of those half have an NIL deal. I mean, yeah, they haven't had to prove anything this you're year. Ta- you're taking money. away. You're, some of these kids are going to be millionaires before they're well, even really like the NFL. mature. Yeah, but to but to qualify that, I mean, Tennessee's guys have NIL deals. You look at uh, Georgia's guys; they have deals. They're just not playing to the Bama standard. And that, that standard has been established. So there are there are little things that aren't getting done, and they're making a very big impact on the product we're putting on the field. What is that? It's going to come out. We're going to find. We're going to get an assessment soon. And everybody talks about the goat, and he's on his way out. And I have thoughts on that coming up here pretty quick. But let's get into the stats since. Uh, hey, hey, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. At some point. The goat will be on his way out. I know, but I've got, uh, I've got some just like at some just like at some point, uh, America's gonna crash, and it might be tomorrow. All right, <laughs> so get your ass uh, out I, and I, vote I Republican on everything. I don't even I care. Herschel Walker done raped people. I don't care. The Dems <laughs> don't care. I'll just vote for him. Let's just do it. If it if it were me. I like Herschel. I'm just talking crap. But if it were me, this is how the Republicans are stupid. It's football season. The whole ad for George, for Herschel Walker should just be a Georgia Bulldog commercial. And then yes. him come in at the end and say, I played there. Go dogs! And they're not I'm, utilizing it. They're not I'm utilizing Herschel Walker, it. and I approve this message. Exactly. Hey. What, oh, what? oh, really quick, hold on. What you said about Tennessee, I just feel like 
based on what I was saying, like Tennessee and Georgia, they want it. I don't feel like Alabama wants it. Of course, they're not going to get it this year, but Tennessee's hungry. They I think we, it. I think we got a couple bad apples that are spoiling the bunch, and uh, hey. and their names are Keith Golding and Bill O'Brien. All right, yeah. I've got a quote, two quotes from a former player. Quincy's so mad right now. He's like, I have a direction I want to go in, and you guys are messing with it. <laughs> All right. Here's what no, I'm not upset. Tyrone Prothro. I love him. Knew that bogus play was coming. Why even allow him to roll to the right? Ridiculous. I don't know, man. It's got a, it's, it's diversity. You okay, got a, then it's I, equality. It's the whole equity thing. I can't repeat Everything he says in the next one, but he said, and and here's my thing the whole time. Coach Saban. Come on, Dad. You know you want to. Coach Saban's the defensive guy. And I've always said this. Our defensive back, they don't know how to turn and look for the football. Never have. Never do. Tyrone Prothrow. Turn and look for the D ball. OMG. Hey. Hey, we're going to call the ball the police now. All right? So. <laughs> Josh, you are so stupid. Shoot um, him out. No. They're going to turn it. Hey, they're going to turn it. Look, the police is coming. <laughs> hey, the white players are crappy, too. Look at Aaron Hernandez. Well, he's Hispanic, but whatever. We got our battle. Josh. I was just going to say, you knew, you know what it's like to look over your back for the police. You're speaking from experience. Anyway, as we talk about this. Uh, hey, I, hey, that is, I hey, think, you know what? Yeah, I am speaking from experience. And that's what we should call the ball. Well, well oh, seriously, before Quincy makes it, on, seriously, on the two-point conversion, why did we not have our outside linebacker Step up and make sure that nobody come out on that side of the field. Because he's a right-handed quarterback, so you know he's coming to the right. Why was he not out there to hit uh, uh, Baylor? Shut up, Josh. Biden didn't have nothing to do with it. Why did was he not out there to chip that guy to make sure he didn't just run free? Yeah, I... It's just a question, a question we can't answer. To, to Josh's credit, you know, Don't Biden give Josh have a no hand in everything credit. that fails. <laughs> it's Biden's fault. Biden's fault. Trump 2024. Woo! Go dogs! <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! I gotta. I have to say, I take. A, I put a lot of stock um, into what former players have to say, especially you know yeah. the guys that were around in the early Saban years. Um, Look, I'm John Fetterman. I got a big lump on my neck. Josh, you need to shut up so I can finish a point. Or I'm going to drive to Arlington and assault you, and I'm not going to be upset about it. You ain't getting no dinner. Um, when, like you have Roman Harper uh, the Friday before the game. I was listening to it at the gym. And he's, he's speaking what the truth is. He's talking about, you know, Will Anderson and his lack of um, his lack of output when it comes to his ability in defense. So can a defensive coordinator in their his decisions stifle the performance of a player just like an offensive coordinator can when it comes to a quarterback or a running back? 
And the fact is, is that when you look at your offensive coordinator, just, just to start there, are you putting your players in a position to win? I, I, I go all the way back to the idea that we're not developing the talent we have because our offensive line last year and this year has been extremely poor when it comes to competitive performance, and we cannot consistently block with excellence. It's not happening. So the same thing goes with, with Bryce. If he's not able to see the guys at the second level, which there are guys that want, run free, but at the same time, he seems to be running for his life more often than he needs to. It's just it's an ineffective blocking scheme. And then you turn around and you look at the way we play on defense. How are we not prepared? Why do we not call timeouts? How are we mismanaging the game? Look at the time management issue in Tennessee. We did not manage the clock there. It's all a part of the process breaking down. And I'm not sure where we go this year. What's the incentive? I feel like it's going to be Alabama versus Utah um, in the bowl game a few years ago. What's their incentive? Because everything at Bama now is about the championship. But what about your sense of pride? What about your commitment to the university? What about your commitment to the Bama standard? I don't expect... I don't expect uh, a good bounce back from this. Why would it take this to two losses to get you to focus? Byron Young took it after practice today. It's about the name on the back of the jersey, the A on the front of the jersey, and do you want to embarrass yourself and your family? That's a good one. a play for the rest of the season. Is there a sense of entitlement now that comes along with going to Alabama, just the idea that all you have to do is show up to be successful because that's not what built our program? Um, I do want to talk about the stats just so we can run those down. I love the stats. I'm going to say the stats. And, Josh, you're not going to make a Fetterman, a Biterman joke, a Vitamita Vegeman, a I Love Lucy, or whatever else. Let me get through the stats. Your answer put you in timeout. For Carrie Lake. She's a great candidate. Okay, Alabama, LSU. Uh, first downs, Alabama has 25. LSU has 22. Third down efficiency. Yay! Bama is 6 of 16. LSU is 5 of 12. Fourth down efficiency, Bama 2 for 2. LSU didn't go for it on fourth down. Total yards, Bama 465. LSU 367. Passing yards, 328. LSU, 182. I don't get it. Completion uh, attempts versus, uh, let's see, 25 of 51 is Bryce Young, 22 of 32, LSU. Yards per pass, Alabama sitting at 6.4, LSU 5.7. Interceptions thrown, we know there was one interception thrown in the game, and it was Bryce from about the 10-yard line in the end zone, uh, which was very disappointing. Rushing yards, 137 for Alabama. LSU, 185. Alabama rushed the ball 30 times. LSU, 34 times. Rushing uh, yards per carry. LSU was at 4.6. Alabama, 5.4. Here's a great story for you. Penalties. Penalties. Alabama, 9 for 92. LSU, 7 for 64. Turnovers, one turnover in the game. Uh, time of possession, 
Alabama 28 minutes, LSU 32 minutes, and a loss in overtime. Now, are you done with the stats? Yeah, you still got crickets? Yeah, I'll turn them off. All right, cool. So, Josh, who was our leading rusher uh, for Alabama <laughs> with a number of carries? Do you know? Um, it sort of sounds like this. It was uh, Brian Robinson, and he had 122 yards, seven uh, carries. He doesn't play at Alabama anymore. <laughs> Maybe Jameer Gibbs, 15 uh, carries for 99 yards. Um, to be honest, I just played crickets during uh, the whole time you were reading the stats. Yeah, you know, I know. that was very disrespectful. I'm very sorry for that, but that's how much I care about this game. Josh, why are you so rude? I'm just adding comedic value. I, I, mean, I hope you all got it. <laughs> he hasn't been here, what, in a month? And he comes over here? Man, don't hate on me because I take vacations. He's got vacations in different nations. I might take a sick day tomorrow. Well, Even though um, I, get, I get four hours paid to vote. If you look at uh, our leading tackler, Helms, uh, Branch, with, uh, Helms had 12 tackles, what? Branch had nine tackles, and Moody with eight. Yep. Hey, where's That's Tyler Harrell at? He, he could he could have had 13 if he'd have tried to tackle that dude on that touchdown run instead of getting out of his way. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, he didn't want uh, that. He got out of his way. I don't want to be a Bama fan this year no more. Yeah, it's uh, it's really hard. Well, ah, uh, go Bulldogs! Yeah, it's hard. It's hard because you know what the standard is and what we've been able to accomplish for a sustained amount of time. So we're spoiled. We're spoiled, little brats. What you want them to do? Get Mike Price back? No. Keep it rolling, baby. All right. So here's the. Here's the Make it rain. Here's the questions I have for you. Um, Josh, I'm going to go to you first. This was yeah. uh, my question on Facebook. Um, pick three statement games that happened on Saturday and tell me what statements were made. All right, real quick. Facebook is uh, about to start a big-time downsize, by the way, because they're – you know, their money went down about $120 billion. Uh, so, just want to say that because you said Facebook. But uh, what, what was it? Make three impact games? Yeah, three statement I name, games. I can name two off the top of my head. The statement for Clemson is they suck too. They're not back. Um, uh, so, and neither is Notre Dame. Don't let that fool you. All right? It's just the game they win. Uh you know, Clemson hasn't hardly played anybody, and uh, they lost to Notre Dame. Substantial loss. Uh, so, statement game. Uh, Notre Dame made a statement that they are who they always are, mediocre. Uh, Clemson made the statement that they've made the last couple of years. They're not back, and uh, I think they've fallen off. LSU made the statement they are back, and uh, they're okay with rapey dances uh, in front of recruits. And the biggest statement is Georgia, uh, everybody don't want none because they're going to probably win the championship. I don't see anybody could beat them. I mean, Tennessee's coming off that high, but 
it's a good high. You think you've made it, so you're going to prepare for the next week. Georgia's defense comes out and says, no, thank you. You're not going to do that here. And that when you have that with, uh, along with their offense that can be pretty damn efficient, gone. Yeah, I think Stetson Bennett answered some questions about his ability to uh, perform. Still don't want him on my NFL team. Still don't want him on my NFL team. He won't go to the Raiders because uh, he's probably going to go to the NFL and be successful. Uncle Bill, coming to you, statement game. What were your three statement games in college football over the weekend? (laughs) You got to go. Oh, God. (laughs) You got to go with Georgia first. I mean, but but I've said all along, I was hoping we'd get to play Tennessee in Atlanta to show there's a world difference in your team when you get to play at home and and the refs are with you and you get away from these stadium. But uh, Georgia's domination of Tennessee had to be top statement. Of course, Notre Dame beating Clemson. Um, Samford. Samford's going to win their thing here in whatever conference they're in. They're undefeated in their conference. They're rolling along, baby. They, uh, they've all, I think they've lost maybe one game this year. They're killing everybody in their conference. So that's my third statement game. I <laughs> so real quick, uh, how about this scenario? Okay, LSU, Georgia playing the ACC championship game. Uh, Georgia either wins or loses. Tennessee wins out. Okay, no, wait. Georgia loses to LSU or beats LSU. Does Tennessee then make the playoffs? Because LSU's not going to take a spot away. Because the only way they'd get in with two losses is if they beat Georgia. So, say if Georgia beats LSU, Tennessee's 11-1. and one. Bama got in one year like that. Is that going to happen again? Well, because you know Michigan or Ohio State, one of them's going to lose. Yep. Clemson done lost. But So, you got TCU up there. going to be able to beat TCU. But are they going to stay in it over a two-loss LSU national oh, uh, you ain't champion? I don't care if they won. If they win the SEC champ, if they win the SEC championship, beat Georgia, they'll be in, man. No, they will be in. They got beat by Florida Get. State, so doesn't doesn't matter. What have you done for me lately? That ain't gonna happen. Well, I think okay. there's a lot of scenarios <laughs> playing out. Uh, next week is going to tell us a lot, but right now, yeah, I'd say. Statement games for me, um, obviously. The one thing I do know is Bama will not be in it. That is a very I'm gonna good start. Assessment. I got to give you a thumbs up, Josh. Thumbs that hurts my heart. <laughs> okay, can I ask yeah. you a question? Yes. So, who do we root for now? <laughs> Nobody. Well, I mean, you kind of watch the TV and go, oh, look, Bama won. Good job. But as far as rooting for someone, um, I don't know. I because... mean, we continue to root for Alabama, but who do we want to win at all? I, at this point, I say LSU. You root for Georgia and their 30-year-old quarterback playing the SEC. I'm telling you, that man, he's older than I am. Well, he's like 24, 25 25 or years old. But, yeah, hey, I don't. I have no hate in my heart for him. So, and you can again, tell the way the way he throws the ball, like it has a lot of man zip on it. Um, <laughs> you know something about man zip. Um, when it hey. comes to uh, hey, zip your lip, zip your lip, boy. I think the first statement game to me uh, has to be Alabama. 
that it's time for a rebirth because we are not who we thought we were. Uh, second statement game has to be Georgia. They're exactly who they said they were, and they really made a statement the way they destroyed Tennessee. And they are the only team to uh, to put the fire out. I'm not going to – the first game of the season, Tennessee, doesn't matter to me. It's what they've been doing to everybody else in their path. And i got to say that uh, Sanford Stadium was just wild with fury rooting on the Georgia Bulldogs. And the last, the last statement game I would have to say, I do have to say Clemson, um, they closed that door. That one's all done. Getting beat like that by Notre Dame, that one's finished. So, our final segment here uh, as we wrap up the program, I have... I have a statement game. Okay, Amber, let's go. You had left for so you long. I apologize. Me. Amber, your three statement Sorry. games, what were I'm they? I'm cooking dinner and doing this at the same time. Multitask. Quincy just Quincy just doesn't want to see women succeed, and that's just the way it is. Hey, Dang it. I grew up you in a denomination that doesn't want women to succeed, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> oh, Uncle Bill, she's throwing shade, man. No, it's not to him. <laughs> hey, Amber, denomination. Your mother can hear you, and Josh and Quincy, your aunt can hear you. <laughs> I uh, I always assume that Aunt Lissy's, uh, that, I mean, Aunt Cindy is listening just like my Amazon Echo. So we're good. No, oh, my headphones wasn't working. My earplugs wasn't working. So they actually won, but I felt like it might be a statement that Ohio State almost barely beat a 1-17. Yeah, a freaking 1-17. That's way worse. That's more of the stuff that we keep up with at the Dash House is that because, you know, Austin is a West Virginia fan. Um, but, yes, Clemson was one of my statement games. I remember exactly how, how that feels. Alabama, how is because Alabama not a statement I go through that all the time because the Raiders are, uh, you know, parentally shitty. So, uh, I always have to find little things to pull for. West Virginia, like, little wins. Very big here and disappointment there. this year. Very big disappointment this year. Yeah. We were hoping one team in the house would be good this year, but I'm already ready yeah. for the Raiders to fire their coach. Austin's wanting Bill yeah. O'Brien to become their head coach. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure the problem is what? is that Neil Brown is going to get fired from West Virginia, and they're going to start chasing Jimbo Fisher because he's from West Virginia, and then we don't root for West Virginia. Yeah, yeah, get Jimbo. <laughs> no, that's definitely uh, not who they want. Oh my God, Jimbo! All right, who else did you have? What Was a, a freaking fraud! Who's your third yeah, game, Amber? I, um, outside of the Alabama game, definitely Tennessee, uh, Georgia, because I definitely thought Tennessee had a chance. Nope, no chance. Um, no you chance. know, I, just to comment on that, I think uh, I think going into that game, Tennessee did have a chance. I think um, Georgia did a lot early um, mm-hmm. to really shut that down and take away what they had done. And think about this. Georgia got to look at how they played LSU, got to look at how they played Alabama, got to look at how they played Kentucky, and then you have a guy who is still a, G, a defensive genius in Kirby Smart. They can say, okay, here's the way that the, the ways that they exploit 
these particular defenses, now we have the ability to game plan against that. So I think he did have the benefit of that, and the game was at home. So what can you say? Now, my final question. I'm going to start with Amber. Ladies first. Um, the GOAT, Nick Saban. Is this the beginning of the end and why? My fangirl fan heart says no. But all the men around me say yes. My mind's telling me no. But my body, my body's telling me yeah. I can't. I'm very torn. Because so, Austin just keeps telling me it's that it's the beginning of the end of the era. See, and like, see, no! he's just telling he's just telling you that because that is literally subliminal wish wishful thinking because he wants you to not you know he wants you to be on his level. As we play West Virginia in a couple of years in some home and homes, so. that'll well, be fun. Um, uh huh. What is it? Even though it's a it's your fangirl, what is it that tells you that you don't believe it's over? for Saban because I still think he's like the greatest I know like some of his some of his um, some of his former you know staffers have every bit of capabilities of being one of the greatest like I am not a fan of Kirby Smart but I think he's one of the greatest on the track to be one of the greatest. I don't like a couple of people who worked for him, but they're on the track. So, you know, I I don't like when we lose to one of his former coaches, but, like, when we do, it's like, eh, I mean, they were trained by the greatest. Like, what do we expect? I mean, um, so I just can't, like, fully support the it's the end of the era, the dynasty's over. Like, I can't. Because I think there are some kids out there who are hungry to win and not just really all focused on their NIL deals and the transfer portal. I think there are some people who are, like, faithful to the Alabama Crimson Tide and they're hungry and they want to win and we're going to get those kids. And we might have a couple more before, you know, 2030, whenever that contract ends. Yeah. And uh, and I don't disagree well, he, with you there. He's getting old, um, man. He's getting he old. old. He is getting old, and that extension they just made, I was like, is he really going to last that long? <laughs> Not well, saying will he die, just saying, like, is he going to be able to coach that long? I, I would say he can coach as long as he wants, as long as he's able to make a competitive impact. And uh, yeah. with that being said, Josh, what are your what are your thoughts? Is uh, is Saban, is this the beginning of the end for the Saban dynasty? Yes or no, and why? Well, part of me thinks that maybe maybe it can happen again uh, if all the stars align. But I think I think so a little bit because I mean. This kind of thing wouldn't have went on in Bama. Uh, they don't. He, the hook has definitely gotten longer and longer with age. I don't know what it is, but these these guys and these problems with the program. First of all, never really even made it to the program. Second of all, if they did make it inside the program, and they they were not following his standards, they're gone, and he would 
against the one that doesn't. Now you got these people that are in there, what, year three or four for Golden? How long has he been there? Year five. Year five for trash. Like, no way. What is this? Five years on a defense that has underperformed. Uh, so at the end of the day, those are his decisions to make. So if he's getting a little soft in his old age or whatever the the case may be, you know, the players play like crap and you're not going to point it out, like – Where's the guy that screamed at A.J. McCarron on the sidelines? Where's that guy? Because that guy is the GOAT. And he screamed. He publicly humiliated that dude. And guess what? He won two national championships. Yep. So I don't understand where that's coming from. I mean, he still screams on the sidelines. but (laughs) Yeah, that's that's the guy I want. And I don't think he is that anymore. So you're starting to see a few things, it seems like, fall through the cracks. I would say ultimately for their good, it's the coach the players should want and the reason they go there because you're held to an an incredibly high standard and you have a guy that's going to give you the feedback and not, not speak to your emotions and teach you about resiliency. And I know it's a different kind of uh, teenager that's coming into college, but every coach, every coach is working with the same types of teenagers. Uncle Bill, thanks for that input, Josh. Uncle Bill, uh, Coach Saban, the GOAT, is this the beginning of the end? I think so. He's lost He he's lost his edge. That's the word I was thinking about. Yeah, that. Um, for two years now, the penalties just have accumulated – is he not? It, he's not able to bring discipline to these boys anymore. These young men, the the focus and the attention that they need. Um, the the goat. What happened on the two point conversion a few years ago would have never happened. We wouldn't have come out of a timeout and have it and not be set, and then you having to run a guy off the field coming out of a timeout on a two-point conversion. It would have never happened. But I think when he allowed Scott Cochran, and I know we've won a championship since he left, I think that was maybe the first step of him losing his whatever in the locker room. Scott Cochran's what held the locker room together. He was the motivator. He was the one that stayed on the boys' rear ends. He was the one. I get so, and I know this is nitpicking, but after the interception, Bryce over there, and I know this is his demeanor, smiling, clapping like everything's good. No, it wasn't. You know, where's any of Scott Cochran was the one that brought some enthusiasm to the players on the sideline. He got them fired up, ready to go. We don't have that. Who's who's taking Scott's place to do this? Has has Coach Saban not realized? You know that. I mean, y'all know. You watch these teams that play us. Man, them sidelines are fired up. They jumping. They you know they carrying on. Our guys are just standing over there like we're Alabama. You know, 
there, there's no enthusiasm. But uh, the four units, I say keep Scott Cochran's name in mind, keep Jeremy Pruitt's name in mind. Fair point. And uh, another point that you made just relative to Scott Cochran is uh, the team that he went to uh, seems to be very disciplined and seems to not commit a ton of penalties and seems to be strong and intense. Where's he at now? Where's he at now? He's at the University of Georgia. Right, right. So uh, what you're saying is uh, he's still really good at what he does. Absolutely, yes. And, so uh, why, why, did, why did we let him leave again? Because he wanted an old field coaching position, and Coach Saban wouldn't give him one. He yeah, that's pretty field. stupid. So, yeah, the goat, the goat is definitely losing it, I would well, say. Well, that's what I say. That, to me, that was the first thing when he allowed him to walk away. Just Kind of like one of the things that made you scratch your head and go, what are you doing? Because you would well, have that influence on the sidelines. Yeah, he's not exactly. just the strength and conditioning coach, man. He's energy. He's, well, he's, he's a lot of these players. A lot of these players talk to him, and they, I mean, they're. He's good around the players. Yeah. He's he's uh he's one of those. Uh, it's a he's a not a cancer, but uh, what do you call it? Something that infiltrates the team, like just great energy. He's and yeah, he's contagious. He's positive contagious. That, that that's it. And they let him walk away. Here's a. In, Here's a here's the thing about that is, um, we traded Scott Cochran for, for a more a more sophisticated scientific approach, and with yeah. that we have very strong, capable players. But we like we talked about earlier in this podcast, I blame Doctor Fauci and science and his climate change deniers, and I blame Biden and. Tomorrow, Red Wave, 2024, hey, go Bulldogs! Woo! Here's the thing that I blame. I blame you for having zero etiquette when it comes to this show. <laughs> when you have a funny... No, 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 no. When you no, have no, a no, funny no, thought, no, you can't no, wait. No, no. Timing is everything when it comes to comedy. I'm and an in artist. this show, you have consistently interrupted... <laughs> Every great thought that I've had, and you have derailed me, and I believe it is because of your jealousy in me as a host. Wait a and so you're going to blame me for not having any good thoughts? Correct. <laughs> Basically, correct. All my good thoughts. Hey, that's get, a, I, I, that's I, excuse, Quincy. Quincy, you're just a good game manager, I wanna, baby. I want to give my dad the shout out for having that thought. <laughs> The team went to crap when Scott Cochran left. Hey, Uncle true. Bill! Uncle Bill is getting better at this. He's bringing it. I and you, well, you get me. Upset. You get my mind scattered with some of your stuff. Well, I gave you is, a co- I, old man. I just gave you a compliment. I know. Well, when it, but you, here's the well, thing. Well, say, say thank oh, you. Oh man, <laughs> Quincy, when you see your brother, will you slap him for me? I, again? Yes, I will. Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I had to levy up on him this weekend. But with that being said, I would agree that there is consistency when it comes to Uncle Bill, and he is consistently getting better. Josh, you are the polar opposite. With that being said, (laughs) here's, here's my take just very quickly. Is this the beginning of the end? And I say no. And what I look at is the hurry-up offense 
and what happened to Saban during that small debacle when the game passed him and he had to reinvent himself and he was able to reinvent himself and he was able to bring championships back to Alabama. What I believe now is that Saban, he is the ultimate when it comes to learning, to adapting, to overcoming, and to refitting the process. He is until he ain't. I truly believe that everything that he hears, what he sees, um, I believe it's going to reinvigorate him to make some major changes on his coaching staff and in his recruiting practices and maybe a three- or a four-star that has discipline and commitment may be more attractive than a five-star who doesn't have the right type of attitude. And it's the players that you want to be coachable. So I don't, I don't believe that Saban is done. I mean, every, every year is the beginning of the end of something anyway. But that's a play on words. When I say I don't believe he's done, I think he still has time left. I believe he will adapt. I believe he will overcome. And I believe that he will reinstate Alabama as the standard of excellence in college football. I truly believe it. Well, let me ask that you. That is my take. Y'all being out in Texas, who would be a young guy that would qualify as a great offensive coordinator that would run the fast pace? I got one. I got one. His name is Beto O'Rourke. Because when he loses tomorrow, he's going, he's going to start coaching. And he's going to be good at that. He, he can't win an election, but he's going to win some games. All right. See, I asked a legitimate question, and you have to come up with a goofball answer. Tomorrow's the election, and we ain't said nothing about it. I like to talk about That's other tomorrow. things, too. We're talking Alabama football. That's tomorrow. Kyle, I'm a man. I'm 40. You don't talk to me. Talk to me. I'm grown. That's a kid. So, when it comes to names – you know, that are um, prevalent in coaching, you know, as far as those types of opportunities go. I don't know where he goes to find the right guys. I do not know. Uh, Scott Frost, anybody? Is he a defensive guy? No, he, he played quarterback. A, he played quarterback. We need, we, we need an offensive guy too, baby. Nebraska ain't got no um, offense. Didn't have one. I know, but we it, here's the thing. No, uh, we need, we, need co- we need coaches to rehab. What I was asking y'all, being out in Texas with all the Division One schools and all out there, is there an offensive coordinator that's running this stuff that would be interested in coming to Alabama? Well, I don't. I don't work at those colleges. I don't know. Yeah, well, Uncle Bill, I think I think it's a great question. It's just not something that uh, Josh and I are actually looking into, which we really should. So that is a, that's well. A great who's the offensive coordinator at TCU? I can Google it real fast. I mean, because buddy, they they like Tennessee, son. They up there, they going. That's well, what I thought. Garrett Riley. Garrett Riley, everyone. Like I told Josh, I think it's about time to. He is 33 years old. Saban. He's the younger brother of the USC head coach, Lincoln Riley. I was going to ask if he was related. Who's making making TCU's hires? This is like two coaches in a row. Like they're still still good. Yeah. If he acts anything like his brother, we don't want him. Well, oh, yes, he's pretty good. 
I think uh, I think there are some options, you know, and there's going to be some coaches that get uh, dismissed from the NFL um, that may not be great head coaches in the NFL, but might be good coaches when it comes to coordinating and and running that particular scheme um, or complementing the scheme that we have. But I would look to Alabama and say, you know, we might be in danger of some attrition when it comes to players and the portal. Um, but I'm, I'm going to look for us to uh, find a way to rebound. So, uh, Amber, did you have any information on Ole Miss and what you think Ole Lane Kiffin is going to do as we close out the show? So – um, we have some stats here. <laughs> um, so as far as total yards, uh, per game, um, Alabama's at 482 and Ole Miss is at 494. Um, yards allowed, Alabama allows 303, Ole Miss allows 378. And their quarterback is, <clears throat> and Bryce are pretty neck and neck for the most part. So Bryce is at 171 of 272 for 2,234 2, yards, 19 touchdowns, and 14 interceptions. Wow. Um, Old Miss's quarterback is at 132 for 216. Uh, 1,911 yards, 14 touchdowns, and seven interceptions. How many interceptions did you say Bryce had? 14. Oh, so here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. She just oh. read all that. So we're going to lose this weekend. That's going to happen. No, we ain't going to lose. No, he had 19 touchdowns and four interceptions. Okay, I thought I heard 14 interceptions, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Look, are you kidding I'm me? I'm recovering sickly. I don't even know I might have <laughs> No, we're not going to lose. All right. I'm just trying to get some chicken noodle soup in my belly. <laughs> Got it. All right. Thank um, you for those. Uh, yeah, oh, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. I was just going to say they're rushing yards. Um, make ours look pretty sad, honestly. Oh, yeah. Uh, so um, our lead rusher is Gibbs, and he has 113 carries for 771 yards and six touchdowns. Their leading rusher is Judkins. He has 180 carries for 1,036 yards and 13 touchdowns. Judkins. Is that how you say it? Yes. He's from Alabama. He's a true freshman from Alabama. Hmm. Let him get away. And then, again, our our two uh, leading receivers are pretty neck and neck with receptions. But and touchdowns, but their lead uh, receiver has about 200 more yards than ours does. Hmm. Well, I mean, this, uh, with that being said, I think the, the thing that really the factors that really play a part here number one is uh, this will not be a rebound game, in my opinion, because we don't know what sense of pride our team has. Um, when it comes to just playing for pride and not for a championship. And then we are going to be on the road again. With that being said, Josh, go ahead and give me your score. Alabama, Ole Miss. Hmm. I'm going to say um, 
35. Bama loses again. I think the wheels fall off of this wagon, dude. Uncle Bill, what's your uh, what's your take? I'll go. We'll win forty-one to twenty-four. We're gonna hold their offense to twenty-four points. I don't Amber, see that what happening. You got? I'm gonna go forty-one, Alabama, twenty-eight. She just stole her daddy's. Uh, suggestion and just added four points to the total. No, I'm looking at the spread to make my decision. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I have my notes. Thank I think you. what are we favored by 11? 11 and a half. 11 and a half. I wasn't um, going to say 30 points because that would be a really weird number to get to. <laughs> I am gonna. I'm looking at Lane Kiffin. Uh, he hasn't performed well against Saban to date. Um, I think with the body of work that we've shown, uh, Lane's ability to draw the crowd, the right crowd with the right noise level at Ole Miss, I think Bama is in danger of losing again for a third time in hostile territory uh, with our lack of production um, offensively. Um, against LSU, I'm gonna man. How do I how do I even pick this game? I thought I had a I thought I had a handle on it, but uh, I don't. So I'm gonna say Bama loses by three in overtime. Well, I just said we were gonna lose by three. Well, y'all are in unity. Me and my dad are in unity. The Lord, whatever. Well, I hope y'all are right. I hope y'all are right. And uh, if I get a, uh, if I get a, y'all got to understand. Now, there's a difference in fifty-five thousand people hollering against you and a hundred and ten thousand. All right, we're gonna find out. I hope. I'm gonna harass I, you I, during the game, Josh. <laughs> I, I hope you have to. I'm just saying these are my thoughts. Um, can I add a thought in in the fact that I may not do another episode? <laughs> yeah, jump Y'all in. Y'all may not have me back. Um, what, what are your feelings on a lot of people have been talking about Lane Kiffin being the successor to the GOAT? I want him. What, what are y'all's thoughts on? I like Lane Kiffin. I want him. I do like him. I'm not sure where I stand on that yet. I think uh, sometimes I I like him. I I do too. I like him. I like him overall. I liked him at the Raiders. Um, Did not like playing against him at Tennessee. He hasn't found the magic uh, bullet yet to beat Saban from Ole Miss to uh, to Alabama, which looks like I believe that that could happen this particular week. Um, he has the ability to pull people from the transfer portal. Um, he scheme wise, he he's great offensively. He sucks with popcorn, but I don't know where I stand on him. You know, coming to Alabama, I don't. I think he's a bit too eclectic for for Alabama. I'm not even sure if he's going to be entertaining that Auburn job. Do we agree? Or I mean, I could be wrong. This is we talk about all kinds of stuff with football. So, um, do we think? That it would have to be a 
like somebody who's worked for Nick Saban to be a successor, or do we think there's somebody out there who has not worked for him that could like pick up the mantle and go in Alabama? I mean, I I think that's a great question. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, Uncle Bill. I I think it depends on what happens with our AD um, and what that kind of looks like because I don't I don't know what the face of Alabama looks like in the next five to ten years if uh, the if Byrne is going to get hired away and then they replace him and then what direction that particular AD goes. What do you say, Uncle Bill? I think uh, Lane, for Lane to come there, they'd really check into his character to see if he's, his character has changed. Because there's a difference in being the head coach at Ole Miss and the head coach at Alabama. So with that, She's Amber Dash. She's Amber Dash, our saving correspondent. By the way, you did a great job this week, Amber. It was fantastic to have you. He's Wild Bill with his Bama Bullet Points. That's Josh Moran, part of the Moran Brothers tandem. And I am Quincy Moran. And this is the Bama Sports Podcast. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Roll Tide.